All right, we're talking about pain this morning. So uh, it's a lighter subject a little bit than what we're about to get in, right? But when it comes to pain, the first thing that we all have to acknowledge with pain is that we all have experienced pain. Amen? We've all experienced pain. And the one thing about pain, which is always a temptation for us, is to find a way to put our pain above someone else's. We're so quick to assume that because someone hasn't been in my shoes, then surely the things that I've gone through were worse than what they've gone through. We have this way with pain to where we allow pain to kind of separate us from others. And if someone hasn't gone through the exact pain which we've gone through, then then that person has no ability to speak to me in the place where I'm at. Would you guys agree with that? Have you experienced that before? Have you ever uh, experienced loss or pain that had someone come up to you and try to comfort you or console you, and because you knew that person has not gone through exactly what you went through, you completely stonewalled them? Yeah, some heads nodding. Okay, exactly. And so pain becomes this weapon that against us, it, it finds a way to back us into a corner. It finds a way to, to isolate us from all the people in our lives that God has placed there to encourage us, to bring healing to us. You know, we're always talking about how we have to understand the importance of the body of Christ when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. The idea that we can't get closer to the head, to Jesus, without embracing His body, each other. And when it comes to pain, it's one of the most important places for us to understand this. Because what happens for us is pain is we want God to step down exactly into the place that we are, but we don't exactly want anyone else to do that. I found that, you know, whenever we're in a place of pain, we begin to set demands on God. It's not that we believe, you know, He stops loving us or that He's not real or, you know, all these things. It's that we find a justification to say, I'm not moving until you do this. Until you come down here, or you step out, or you speak to me, or you do something to show me that you understand. And of course, in those, in those moments, what happens is that we're unwilling to let Him step into our lives, or, or to step into that pain through people. And so, if you're in that place of pain this morning, it's important to understand that Jesus is always stepping into our pain. But often, the way that we need Him to step into our pain, to step into our situation, is we need to allow the people around us to step into our situations with us. Amen? Now, before we go uh, any farther, I want to open up in Scripture. If you guys have your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. NIV. So we talked last week about how Jesus, when He's on the cross, He says those famous words. He says, My Father, my Father, why have You forsaken Me? And in the Scriptures, you know, we find out that Him saying that is such a powerful thing because He's not just saying some random words. He's actually quoting the 22nd Psalm. And he's quoting this entire Psalm, which 
it details all the different forms of pain and loss that we experience as humans. And what happens in this account um, of Matthew is we actually see that Jesus begins to experience all the different forms of pain which are entailed in Psalm 22. And so we see that the last action of Jesus is to step into our pain, to literally show us that He is willing and is stepping into every place of pain, hurt, and loss which we could ever step into. But the one thing I want to show you here in this passage is that He actually begins His ministry saying the same exact thing. And so um, here in Matthew uh, chapter 5, of course, is the Sermon on the Mount. And, and it's the first major teaching which he gives on the kingdom of God. And in this, what he's saying, he's saying that in what, in what God is going to do, when God is in control, when, when God is king and God has authority over this place, when God is the one who decides what will happen and what won't happen, when he's the one who sets the rules, here's what it's going to look like. So if you guys have your Bible, go ahead and read it. Verse 1, it says this, now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Let's go ahead and pause right there. The first two declarations of what his kingdom is going to look like. Again, remember this about Jesus. Okay, Jesus, He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He's the chosen one. He's the one that the entire Old Testament is prophesying is going to come, and He's going to, to tear down all the other kingdoms. Okay, so the Romans, the Egyptians, Persians, whatever. He's going to come, and He's going to overthrow all of them. And He's going to set up a new kingdom. And so what happens inside the walls of His kingdom, the first two things that He says... In my kingdom, in the world that I'm going to lead, the place that, that I'm going to create, when God is in control, here's the first two things that you need to know. And my iPad just turned off. One second, everyone. First thing he said was this. He said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. What this means, if you would, is blessed are those who internally have nothing left. Poor means to have little, right? To have little spirit. And of course, the reference of this is to have a desire or a will to live, something to live for. Those whose life has stolen anything worth living for. When I come to set up my kingdom, you will be first in this place. Second thing he says, in my kingdom... Whenever I'm in control, blessed are those who have mourned. I almost just want to stop right there. I mean, the church circles that I grew up in were just amazing. Um, so many great things about them, but the one thing that I never got was how we were always taught to speak faith over things. And... While there is such power in trusting God and walking in faith, sometimes what that does 
Sometimes people begin to believe that in order to walk in faith and trust in God, it means that I have to ignore my pain. It means it's not okay for me to not be able to sing or to pray or to have faith today. To walk in faith, sometimes people think it, it means it's not okay for me to come in and to be down, to be sad, to be heavy, to be depressed, to be scared, to be, you know, furious, disappointed in God, mad at God. And one of the things I love about this, again, is he starts us out by saying, no, these are the people who are first in line in the kingdom of heaven. In the place that I'm going to set up, these are the ones who are going to be first in line. So, of course, what happens in this is it's important for us to understand this. It's, it's not that we can't trust God and be sad. It's not that we can't trust God and mourn loss. It's not that we can't you know, trust God and be mad at Him at the exact same time. What I love about this is He calls it out first thing. He doesn't even play games about not existing. He doesn't say, in my kingdom, no mourning. Everyone's going to be smiling all the time with extremely white teeth and awesome hair. So again, it's important for you to understand that in the kingdom of God, but even here, in the extension of the kingdom of God, the, the church is supposed to be the first taste of what is coming. The church is supposed to be the first place on the earth that we begin to see a glimpse of what the kingdom is going to be like. And so it's important for you to understand that if you are still in a place of mourning, of pain or bitterness, that it's okay for you to bring that here. This is actually where I want you to bring that. And what that means is it's okay for you to have a day where you're not singing, where you're not dancing, or have your hands up, or where you're not even happy, or you know, even have days where it's hard to even show up to church. But it's important that you share it. We talked about this last week. For us to have connection, that was beautiful, by the way. I love that. That's awesome. Very zen this morning, right, everybody? <laughs> we cannot have connection until we have expression. Meaning, in order for us to connect, we must have freedom to express ourselves. And so, we know that God is willing for us to come to Him and to express anything, but you also have to know that we are willing for you to come here and to express anything to us. And so, the church, this, this spiritual family, has to be a safe place for you to come and to bring your whatever it is and to share it. Amen? I don't know what is going on with this thing. I'm just going to have to just carry it around and do this all day. All right, let's keep reading. Uh, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Man, that's a powerful one right there. It just, we'll talk about this in the next series, but blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called what? The children of God. That statement was not said by any of the other different lines. Oh, man. 
I can't wait till next week. It's going to be a blast. You guys are going to, I'm not sure if you guys are going to have fun, but I'm going to have fun next week. It's okay. Blessed are those who, who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, they persecute you, they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, again, you know, just, my goodness. We all talk about the verse from Revelation, right? We talk about, in the end, we understand that the saints will overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and what? The word of their, their testimony. What do you think your testimony is? What do you really have to share that someone needs to hear? Everyone's like, are we supposed to answer yet? Are we... <laughs> we'll be louder next week. We're a little bit chill today, but that's okay. Um, your testimony is wrapped in your pain. Simple as that. The gospel is, is need-based, meaning we come to God. All of us come to God because we need something from Him. That's what makes Him God, right? He has no need. We have all the needs. We need something. He has the answer. We need healing. He has healing. We have pain. He's the source to find the ease from the pain. And what happens, what our testimony is, it's, it's the story of what God has brought us out of, of what He's freed us from, what He's brought us through, what He walked with us through. If you go to, um, to David's famous psalm, you know, it's, it's the story where God walks us through the, va- the valley of the shadow of death. It's where He's the one who goes with us. It's where David turns to Saul and he says, well, the reason that I'm able to go up against Goliath is because the same guy was with me against the bear and the lion. It's you have to go through stuff. That's what your story is. That's what your testimony is. It's the way that we're able to have proof that God is real and the proof that God exists. I mean, if you came to someone and said, you know what? God is real. And they said, why? Well, because you know what? I was really, really happy one day. And then like the next day, I was just even happier again. I had this big smile, and then like God came into my life, and like it grew an inch. And now I smile all the time, and I have this headache because I can't stop smiling. I mean, oh man, that's amazing. That's, that, that's phenomenal. The stories that actually touch us, the ones that move us, the ones where we see that someone was in one place, where someone was a certain way, where they had, had been affected in, in, in this way, and then all of a sudden something changed in them. Something's different. Something happened in them. And... What's common for all of us is pain. We, pain is the one thing which we all share. And I think the reason that pain is so important to the gospel, the reason that pain is so important to our story, is because it's, it's so tied into what Jesus is coming to undo. We have this entire story in the Scriptures about how in the Garden of Eden things are made wrong, darkness and, and evil, uh, they enter this place, uh, you know, death and pain and sorrow enter this world. And it's the one thing that we all have experienced. Atheist, Christian, Buddhist, whatever, we all experience pain. It's the one thing that we all understand. Everyone knows it. 
We're all way too familiar with it. And again, what happens for most of us is, is again, we find ways to hide from pain. We believe that, you know, it's, it's not okay for us to bring it to God. It's not what, what He's interested in. It's important for us to just kind of trust Him through it. But I'm telling you, in the place of your pain, it's exactly the place where God is planning to bring the purpose of your life out. What you have to understand is this. The pain we go through, God is always interested in trying to find purpose for it. He's not the author of pain. He's not the one who brings evil into our lives. But we have to understand he's, He is the one who's able to make sure that that pain was not for nothing. He is determined to make sure that your pain was not worthless. He is determined to make sure that your pain is used for purpose. And the one thing that you have to understand is this. When God has brought us through something, when He, is, when he has brought us through a place of loss or pain, dif- difficulty, these are the places where we begin to understand what it means to walk in power. These are the places where we begin to have a special understanding of who God is that no one else does. We understand the Scriptures that we all, are, we all see in part. We all have this ability to, to know God, but we're all going to have a, a, a unique relationship with Him. And what happens again is this. It's, it's that whenever we begin to allow God to enter into these places of pain with us and to walk us through it. There is a unique trust and understanding of who God is that we will gain from that, that people need to hear. It's not so much your giftings and your abilities and, you know, all these amazing things about us which people need. Often it's the parts of us and the experiences which we've had which we are the most ashamed of, which people need the most. One thing I've learned as a pastor is that the more that I've been willing to, to allow God to expose, if you would, to allow, teach me to be willing to show off the areas of weakness in my life, the parts that aren't perfect, the, you know, the failures or, or the, the pain I've experienced, the more that I've been willing to allow God into these places in my own life, and the more that I've allowed Him to bring me to a place where I can kind of put the walls down and allow people to see this in me. I found that it's transformed the way that I'm able to help people. I used to think it would be my strength. It would be my understanding of Scripture or blah, blah, blah. If I had, you know, any strengths, I thought that those would be the ways that God would use me with power. But I found that it's, it's the areas of pain in my life and the areas of pain in my past which God has used to do the most powerful things through me. And so often, so many of us are confused as to to what kind of a calling or a ministry or a place that we could have in the church. And we say, oh, well, I can't do this like that person, and I can't do this one like that one, and that person sings great, and that one teaches great, and that one blah, blah, blah. I don't have those skills. But you do have pain. Such a cheery message this morning, isn't it? Everyone just, I mean, amens all over the room. I mean, goodness gracious, right? It sounds bad. I mean, we're going to talk about the pros here, okay? But it sounds bad, but this is real, okay? I mean, 
stupid iPad. I'm trying to get, you know, in a rhythm here. And, you know, this thing keeps throwing me off. <laughs> okay. If you guys have your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians, uh, first chapter. We're going to read the Message Bible because uh, Eugene Peterson, of course, is the one who wrote this. And the more that I, I read his other stuff, the more I kind of get to know him, the more I trust this guy. It's like a spiritual grandfather, if you would. The more I learn about uh, these passages and the more I learn about the Greek, the more I start realizing, man, the Message Bible is awesome. Man, it is so accurate. All right. You guys are ready. Here's what it says. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Master, Jesus, the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. Here's the important part. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, He brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Let me read that again. He comes alongside us when we are going through hard times. And before you know it, He brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for the person just as God was there for us. I know, right? It's, it's quiet in here. Amen. That's a good verse. It's a message by itself, isn't it? We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of His healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. And so what happens here in this passage, we have to understand this. We have this divine ability to allow God to come into these places where it feels like we can't, we can't trust anyone, you know, we can't see a future beyond this, whatever it is. And we have this ability to let God into this place. And what I love about the way he words it, he says, he comes alongside us. There's something about it with God. It's like we always have this image of God to where he's always just kind of like flying around. He's always just kind of lofty and he's kind of, you know, kind of away from us and distant. And so when we're going through pain, we have this idea that, you know, he's going to like zap us with healing or something, you know. Be healed, son. Okay, I'm not sad anymore. Awesome. Come on. That's all of you in the room. Be honest. Okay. When you are hurting, so are you just waiting for that person to come with the right answer? Like when you're, well, you're different. <laughs> you are different. Most people, when they're hurting, I'm just messaging. I, whenever I'm hurting, how about that? I don't want you to give me an answer. I don't want you to tell me, like, oh, oh well, you know, Jesus need another angel. He couldn't just make another one? He had to take my loved one from me for that? Is that the best answer that you can come up with? Well, he's had another plan for him up in heaven. Even if that's true, that doesn't help me at all. Well, you know, Devin, um, you know, sometimes whenever we go through, just be quiet. Hey, now, I'm a pastor, okay? When we walk into a room when everyone's hurting, we are expected to bring a prayer or a word. Here's what I've learned. Take notes of this. When someone is hurting, here's what they need most from you. Just be there and be quiet. 
Amen. Just shut your mouth. No. What I love about that verse, though, it says that when we're going through hard times, He comes alongside us. Even God Himself just chooses to be present with us in pain. Yes, He has the answers. Yes, He has healing. Yes, He has all the, you know, yeah, He's God. But even God Himself, He comes alongside us. And what's so interesting about Jesus, again, is that He embodies these things. I mean, He's alone in the garden, and He knows what's about to happen, and He asks for His disciples to pray. But let's just be honest here. Yes, He needs them to pray, okay? But I don't think Jesus needed more praying power, okay? I mean, it was going to happen. He was choosing to obey God. That was going to happen. What He was really asking for is He wanted His disciples to be with Him. And so, the Scriptures don't say, well, they came to pray, but their prayers were weak, and so Jesus went to the cross. What it says is, here's Jesus in agony, he's, he's in pain, and they fell asleep. They weren't present with him. And again, this is so important for you to understand. If you're going through pain right now, you need to understand this. He is present. He understands the need to not be alone. When someone is hurting, the things that they will say the way that they will act is that they just want to be alone. The truth is, they want to be away from everyone who's trying to fix them, who's trying to make everything better. The truth is, is that they need time to hurt for a little while. That we never want to be alone. Ever. But there's something in this. When we start with God and when we choose to allow God to be present with us in our pain. There's a transformation that begins to take place in our pain. This seed, if you would, in our lives, which has the ability to bring anger and frustration, confusion, and has the ability to separate us from God. When we choose to allow God to be present with us in our pain, this seed gets transformed. Because you have to understand this. There are two plans for your pain. The plan that God has for your pain and the plan that Satan has for your pain. Understand this. If you do not allow God to be present with you when you are hurting, here's what your pain will create. Here's what the seed of pain is going to grow in your life. Here's the first thing. Your pain is going to grow into isolation. It'll start small. It'll start with, you know, people, you know, want to come over. They want to, they want to go out and see you. And, you know, he's going to say, no, 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 I'll just stay home. You're going to stay home from church today. I just need some time alone. And then all of a sudden, a few weeks later, a few months later, a few years later, you find yourself absolutely isolated from all the people who God speaks into your life through. All the sources of comfort, of connection, you will find yourself cutting ties to all of them. And here's the thing, especially the ones that you see are connected to God. It's not that, let me say this, it's not that we openly don't want God to be with us. It's that when we experience pain, there's one person to blame. Be honest. 
When you experience pain, there's one person who we all know has the power to change anything. And when we go through something and He didn't stop it, He didn't change it, He didn't protect us, we have one person to blame. And the reason that we don't allow God to come into our pain with us is because we are still holding it against Him. But understand what I'm saying. To let Him into your pain with you is not to not be mad or to not be hurt, not be angry. To not let Him into your pain, it looks different. What it looks like is to say, I'm going to share it with you. Here is how I feel about you. Here's what's going on inside of me. I'm hurting. I'm angry. I don't understand. I'm mad at you. And I just need you to know it. One of the hardest times with Nisa one time, uh, she's so honest and I love that. She came to me and said, Devin, I know that I probably love you somewhere. <laughs> but right now, I don't feel it for you. I mean, that was terrible to hear that. I mean, come on. I mean, like, we've all felt it. Most of you just wouldn't say it, right? Oh, I love you. But for us to start the path of healing, she had to share that with me. And so for you with God, for you to grow in your relationship, for you to not allow your pain to isolate you, you know, to steal from you, to bring you know, death and harm to you, it starts here. You have to be willing to share your pain with God as honestly, as openly as you can. And it might take weeks, it might take months, but that's where it starts. And so if we're not able to do that, the first thing is isolation. It'll begin to push us away from everyone, especially those who, who, who we find connected to God. The second thing is this. It's going to begin to grow bitterness inside of us. What well, bitterness is this. It's, bitterness is when we go from a place of feeling pain, of feeling anger, frustration, whatever, and then when our pain begins to define us. Meaning, I, I experience pain, and now all I know in life right now, it's been with me so long, it hurts so bad, it's gone so deep, that all I know is, is my pain. All I know is my disappointment. That's what my life is. The way that you know that you've transitioned to bitterness is that on this side, you used to fight it, you used to get angry, you used to cause all this stuff in you, but when you transition to bitterness, you are used to it. It becomes normal for you. When you enter into bitterness, your pain has become normal. It's ordinary for you. It's hung along so much, it's gone so deep, that this is just another day. And what happens in bitterness is that we begin to be so familiar with our pain that we begin to lose any expectation in God or the people around us. Relationship requires trust. It's impossible to trust anyone when we expect nothing out of them. It's impossible for me to trust God when I have become so used to Him not answering me, Him not showing up, Him not having a reason for what He did to me, that I don't expect Him to show up anymore. 
I can't trust him because I truthfully don't believe he will ever do anything different. I don't believe my spouse will ever change their behavior. It's been five years, 10 years, 15 years. And so I am unwilling to trust you. I can't even do it because I truly see no possibility for anything else to come out of you. Is this hitting anyone this morning? It's what bitterness looks like. You are just, it's not that you're having a terrible day. It's just that this is just my life. Third thing that's going to happen in your life, if you don't allow God into your pain, you're going to become powerless. Which just means that you are now in a place to where you truly see no ability to even wrestle with it anymore. It's just so outside of your imagination, outside of your experience, that there's now no possibility for you to see any change in this situation. And so we just continue to seek closer, farther, deeper into it. A picture for this, if you would. Um, in the movies, or I'm not, and I hope you haven't seen this in person, but when someone is swimming and they begin, you know, to, the waves begin to go over them, there, there comes a point where the body still has energy to fight. But they've been fighting the waves, they've been taken in water, and there comes a point to where the body still has the ability to fight for survival, but the mind says there's no point. Where, the, where there's still fight left in them, but because of what they're experiencing, they decide it's already over. And they, they stop fighting, and they just give in to it. When you accept powerlessness in your pain, you have stopped trying to resist. You stop trying to keep your head above water. You've stopped even trying to survive. Because to you, there's no point. What's happened has happened. There's no way out. And of course, what happens for us if we allow God into these places, the exact opposite of all three of these things happen. If we allow God into our pain, the first thing is this. Our pain begins to connect us with people. We all know pain. We all have experienced it. And now it's all different pain. But the one thing that I've learned is when you learn to embrace your own pain, to let God bring healing in your pain, all of a sudden you become sensitive to the pain of others. This is important. If you have not allowed God into your pain, then your pain has created this world where the only things that you see is yourself. The things that happen to you, how unfair it is. How, and again, it could be absolutely terrible if these things have happened to you. But when you don't allow God into your pain, all you see is what's happened to you. But when you allow God into your pain, all of a sudden, all you begin to see is the pain in others around you. It doesn't matter if it's the same pain that you've gone through. You begin to have compassion for those who hurt. And again, of course, we see this. We begin to have the ability to love God and to love others. Because we're beginning to allow God to use these things in us to connect us to people. And now the conversations that you wouldn't have before, the, the, the people that you wouldn't reach out to, now you find yourself drawn to people because you know what they're going through. And because you've been there, because you know what it feels like, because you know that when you were in that place, you wished that someone would have reached out to you. That someone would have jumped in the hole with you. Not to save you, just to be there with you. Just someone to say, I know what you're going through. 
And because you know that pain, but you've been brought through it, now you are willing to jump into any hole with anyone no matter what they are going through. The second thing that takes place for us where bitterness would consume us, when God enters our pain, thanksgiving begins to consume us. Now again, that word sounds so kind of childish to us sometimes. You know, you know it's a holiday for us and we kind of associate it with turkeys and you know, whatever else. But thanksgiving is a place of being fixed on what God has done for us. And it's so powerful the way it transforms us. Um, the Lord spoke to me last week about Thanksgiving, and, and it's really odd. Last night, I had a sick child, and I had a little, little baby, and they were taking turns screaming. Okay, because like the one would get to sleep, and the other one would scream, and I'd wake that one up, and I'd get this one quiet, and this, and this went on about four or five hours, while the Razorbacks are winning, by the way. And so I'm trying to watch the game, and I'm shh, you know. <laughs> oh, the Lord, have, have mercy. Okay. And I had a sermon, and I had homework, I had, you know, all the stuff to do. Normally, I would get a little angry. It, it, you know, it, it would start just a little bit. I mean, come on. They're sweet children, you know, sick and four months old. But your brain doesn't always work like that. Why don't you just be quiet? You know, you've already been fed. You, you know, you have a clean diaper. Just shut up. Everyone's like, this guy's awful. Like, you know, we're never coming back. Be honest. You all think it. Okay. Amen. Spirit of honesty. No, okay. But, you know, for some reason, I was able to reach that place of the Lord where, you know, screaming and spit up and all sorts of terrible things. And I'm just like, I'm just so thankful I have time with my children. <laughs> Nieces out, you know, having fun with their friends. No cares in the world, but I'm thankful. <laughs> that had to be the Spirit of God, let me tell you. But what happens is in the same way that bitterness would, would, would isolate us from the world, that would make us just in this place of utter darkness. Thankfulness creates this bubble around you where it doesn't matter what happens. For some weird re- way, you're just able just to flow with it. And you're just, oh, well, the car broke down, but thank you, Jesus. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't know. That's not my natural state, okay? I'm just saying, some people I know who are like that. Vicky Sleeper, okay? I mean, she's like that. I mean, I mean, this terrible thing happens. She just goes, thank you, Jesus. Um, not Arnie, though. I mean, he's... <laughs> he hasn't learned thankfulness yet. That's okay. And so what happens is, bitterness becomes an, a... a I put this... It's like an insulator. It just keeps us separated from everyone. But thankfulness keeps us in this bubble of being absolutely connected to God at all times. It's not that bad things don't happen. It's just that we have this ability to understand who God is, the way He feels for us, and most importantly, that He's present with us in all things. And so all these things can just come at us, but when we allow God into our pain, nothing can separate us just like in marriages. You can survive anything in your marriage if you are willing and able to protect your communication. If you will share your pain, your highs, your lows, your, the good, the bad with your spouse, you can survive anything with them. 
But the moment that you experience something that you're not willing or able to, to share with them as you go through it, your marriage is in trouble. And of course, here's the last thing that happens. When we allow God into our pain, there's power there. I don't want to get too cheesy with this, but just understand this. When you go through something and God walks you out of it, there is a, there's an authority that comes there. When you've been there and you've done that, there is something that comes in you to where there's such a, such a solidness and a surety of knowing who God is, of, of, of knowing His nearness and His power and His love for you, that when you've gone through pain with God, you are on a different level. There's just such... Marriages, okay? Uh, if you guys have been through something terrible and survived it with your spouse, is your marriage not twice as strong now? Yes. Your trust is on a whole different level. There's something that happens there in relationship and trust when you go through pain with someone else. You just you know them in a way that you can't know them any other way. If you guys have your Bible, let's go ahead and end. John chapter 20. John, John 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, he, he was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the others told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were, and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Of course, Thomas responded, My Lord and my God. The wounds and scars that we carry are the proofs of how real and who God truly is. In the same way that Jesus was able to say, here, feel it, touch it, see it. It's amazing to me that the resurrected body of Jesus still bears the scars. I mean, I'm sure God has the ability to remove scars. I mean, if we can do it with lasers, I think that the Father could, right? But there's, there's power there's something so true about scars. You have to understand this. In the same way that Jesus does this for Thomas, there are people in your life who will not be able to connect or to trust God until you are willing to show them your scars. Your neighbor doesn't need you to always have the answer. He doesn't need you to always be happy or smiley or to always have a fresh word from the Lord for the day. Or a Bible verse to encourage you today. Come on. Okay, that's not funny. Apparently it's not funny. What your neighbor needs is for you to be willing to let them see God in your good and your highs and your giftings, but also in your lows, in your past, and in your pain. 
Your wounds are the most powerful testimony, the most powerful story that, you, that anyone in your life will ever be able to see. And it's in this place that we all have to be able to follow Jesus, that we ought to be willing to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Are you willing to, first of all, to allow God into your pain, even if it's fresh, even if you're still there, even harder if it's in the, if it's in the past, if you've buried it so deep that you just can't even think about it anymore, so you've had to find ways to survive, you've had to find ways to keep it just buried. Are you willing to allow Him to dig it up with you and to go through it? It's almost, almost like going through a memory box, you know? I'm not sure if you guys ever had those, right? With, with pictures or clippings. Are you willing to go through each memory and with Him, though? Not alone this time. With Him. Sharing it with Him. Allowing Him to be there with you. If you will do that with Him, these wounds, these scars, these will become the places where you will be drawn to people but people will also be drawn to you. And it's the places where God will be able to, to show up and to manifest in a powerful way. And the kind of pain which you have experienced. When someone is going through a place that you are or you have been, you will have the ability to help them in a way that no one else can. No one else can. And for us, it takes us being willing it just starts with being willing to let him in. The promise is not that the pain won't ever come back. The promise is not that you won't ever have to worry about that again or you won't ever get you know, freshly ang- um, angry or disappointed. That's not the promise. The promise is that you will never be alone in that again and that your pain will not be wasted. That even though you've gone through pain in some way, shape, or form, if you let God in, He will allow you to help those and to bring comfort and healing and hope for those who are going through it that no one else can. Amen? Would you guys stand with me?